Hi, and welcome. Wendy and I just want to express our gratitude for all your lovely encouragement and ideas as we start discussing cosmism and planetary close encounters as it relates to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm completely new to all of these ideas and theories, whereas Wendy has a good couple of years on me. But together, we hope to spark conversation and serve as a guidepost to greater resources as we all prepare for the second coming. In these discussions, we are starting by having a book discussion of Anthony Larson's trilogy. These three books give a great primer to Velikovsky's paradigm shifts. We are so excited that you are interested and willing to go on this journey with us. And with that, let's jump into today's episode. All right, everyone, welcome back for chapter five. Um, this chapter is called The Book of Mormon and Catastrophism. So as we dive in, um, uh, just referencing a, a couple of the, the comments that, that people have made from um, uh, listening to the podcast this week, uh, this one um, is, is sent to us by Flora, and she says that a surprisingly good synopsis of the electric universe comes from Eileen McCusick. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. She says uh, she approaches it from the perspective of how the electric universe affects our health, and she has a way of explaining the complexities of Thunderbolts in a way that I can get it quite easily. She spoke at their conference a few years ago, and, and that video is on YouTube. And um, she's also included uh, another link to, to take a look at, at her work and um, uh, entering into cosmology. So I'll put those links and, uh, and that in the show notes, and, and feel free, if you have... Um, ideas or links that, that you would like to, to send us and um, uh, the other listeners of the podcast, um, uh, feel free to uh, send those to me and, and we'll read them in our podcast and, and put those in the show notes. Uh, we're so grateful for everyone that um, takes the time to, to help us in our learning journey uh, as we are um, uh, going through Anthony Larson's works here and uh, learning and growing in, in how God works uh, with us through the, the cosmos. So um, with that, let's, let's kind of dive into chapter five here, uh, the Book of Mormon and Catastrophism. This chapter highly focuses on the, uh, the events at the time of Christ's crucifixion and uh, a little bit about his birth in the Americas and how that um, transitions into um, our... Uh, canon of scripture and and things that we might learn and grow um, as we are uh, looking at it from from that perspective. So um, I, I think it's interesting this this first part here. Uh, he quotes from First Nephi, uh, chapter nineteen, verse eleven, and um, for thus spake the prophet: The Lord God surely shall visit all of the house of Israel at that day, some with his voice because of um, just sorry. Let me start that scripture over. I think I misquoted it. Um, so it starts off here, uh, quoting First Nephi nineteen verse eleven. For thus spake the prophet: The Lord God surely shall visit all of the house of Israel at that day, some with His voice because of their righteousness unto the great joy and salvation, and others with the thunderings and the lightnings of His power by tempest, by fire, by smoke, and by vapor of darkness, and by the opening of the earth, and by mountains which shall be carried up. And I thought that that was super interesting with the fact that um, he's talking about a whole group of people. It says that the Lord God shall visit all of the house of Israel, but there's going to be two distinct groups. Some 
with his voice because of their righteousness and the others with all of the other. And so I have to wonder if that's going to be a, a mirror or a pattern of the, the second coming and um, when he does come again that all of the house of Israel will be visited, but some this way and, and some that way. It was something that I hadn't really um, considered specifically in light of um, catastrophism there. But anyway, any um, thoughts or introductory things as we, we dive into this chapter, Wendy, that, that you'd like to bring out? Just that I really love doing these podcasts and thank you for doing them with me, Cameron. And for everybody that, that um, listens, it's, it's not perfect. I'm sure you heard me like talk to my daughter because I'm trying to get a charging cord or something, but yeah, I'm a mother of seven kids and, and uh, yeah, things, life happens. But anyway, I, I really wanted to um, share with you just something I was praying about about an hour ago and I was, um, wanting to get confirmation from the Lord that, that he was pleased with what we were doing. And if there was anything that he wanted us to, or me to do differently, um, because I, I haven't been able to give this the full focus and attention that originally that I wanted to do. Um, I've been, I'm a very busy mother. Um, my husband is disabled. So even though he stays home with my daughter, like four hours a day while I teach, like I get home and he's exhausted and I just do like, I, I do everything else. And so like, I haven't, and I'm sorry, I've been able to like really like prepare, but, but the Lord um, comforted me and he gave me like, like, like he's pleased. And he gave me this um, scripture in DNC 88, which I read the whole section. And it's just so great. I love talking about the glory of God and light. And, um, and also that's the chapter that we kind of went into when you were doing the book club about mm -hmm. the, the um, school of the prophets, right? Yeah. Anyway, um, but DNC 77, and I give unto your commandment that you shall teach one another the doctrine of the kingdom. And that's what I want to do. That's what, that's what you want to do, Cameron, right? We want to talk about doctrine. We want to talk about truth, about um, Christ. And it says, teach ye diligently and my grace shall attend you. What a promise that you may be instructed more perfectly in theory and principle, et cetera. And then 79 of things, uh, teaching of things pertaining of things both in heaven and in earth and under the earth, things which have been, things which are, and things which must shortly come to pass, and et cetera. And I was, and it, it, so, I was just so grateful to know that, you know what, we're, we're doing our best. I'm, I'm grateful you guys are all very kind in, in your comments and um, that together we're going to be instructed more perfectly through the spirit because that's who teaches us. Mm -hmm. So, um, and one other item before we jump in, I just wanted to, um, if we could put this in the links, Cameron, if anybody wants to look up, um, there's a PDF online, a free PDF that's called A Synopsis of the Electric Universe by Wall Thornhill. And it goes through um, several different points. I'm looking at how many are numbered here. I think it goes through. Um, anyway, there's only like what, less than 20 pages. And it's just very very um, clear and concise in, in the purpose, I mean, the purpose of what they're trying to do at uh, Thunderbolts um, as a group of scientists. Now they are atheists, but they, they, I mean, I don't know. No, I don't know personally how, they, but they, the, they don't talk about God per se in that, um, in their investigations, it's science. But I know, and I've always felt, even as a scientist myself, that science and religion are going to come to the same conclusions just in different ways. 
and that, mm-hmm. that both can um, be used as witnesses to, to bring about truth. And so I just wanted to read just a little bit on their preface here, but it's so good. So I hope you go and, and read it because it, sometimes we get into thunderbolts and there's so much information and this is very helpful. They, stop, they say, um, starting out with a little quote from H.P. Lovecraft, the most merciful thing in the world is the inability of the human mind to correlate all its contents. The, science, the sciences, each straining in its own direction, have hitherto harmed us little. But someday the piecing together of disassociated knowledge will open up such terrifying vistas of reality. <laughs> when all these things come together, we see the glory of God in it, right? Anyway, they go on. That we shall either go mad from the revelation or flee from the deadly light into the peace and safety of a new dark age, which we don't want, right? We need, we want to have the, we want to have an, a, a paradigm that's connected through all the sciences. Um, and so down here, he says a little further, this introduction of this synopsis of the electric universe will present a new quote, deep focus lens unquote for for viewing the physical universe from subatomic particles to galactic realms unknown from the Hubble telescope. The electric universe is a holistic answer to myopia. Ah, I love that use of that word, right? President Nelson just popped up my mind. Okay, that narrowing of vision, which naturally accompanies the fragmentation of knowledge and learning. Anyway, I just love truth so much. I want to teach this to my kids at school. For those with the courage to see clearly, the required unlearning of fashionable ideas carries no real cost whatsoever. The terror Lovecraft envisioned is only the first rush of uncertainty when ideas long taken for granted are thrown into question by facts and simple reasoning previously ignored. The quote, piecing together of disassociated knowledge will only require us to confront the deep contradictions in things experts have long claimed to know. With the courage to see clearly, the adventure itself could well be the most merciful thing in the world, adding new insights into the greatest dramas of early human history and vital perspective to humanity's situation in the cosmos. Truth is always unified. And as such, it can only be friendly to those who seek the truth first. As we pass through the door, it is not fear that goes with us, but the exhilaration of discovery. And we are discovering the Lord. We're discovering how he works among the children of men. We're discovering his covenants. We're discovering who we, who we are and where our place is in the universe um, and where we're going to be and where we've been, right? So Anyway, I, I just wanted to read that, give you a little bit of taste of what that's in there. So I hope you go look it up. So mm-hmm. that's kind of my preface to what we're going to be doing here, what I wanted to add. Uh-huh. Yeah, thank you so much. That was uh, that, That's awesome. I, I haven't read through that whole thing there, um, but I, I did read that, that first part, that synopsis, and it just it just resonates, right? When when you receive truth, it there's, um, there's something physical about it, right? <laughs> organizing right organizing mm-hmm. that's that's creation yep. i love it so um <clears throat> it's interesting the um perspective and, and things we learn from the the book of mormon accounts and prophecies of of christ's crucifixion 
Um, a lot of what we have comes from uh, Samuel the Lamanite directly. Um, some of the uh, quote here from, uh, I believe it was in the Book of Helaman, was it not? Anyway, somewhere there. We'll get to it when it uh, pops mm-hmm. up. Oh yeah, Helaman 12. Um, but it's just always amazing to me that it's been there all along. I just didn't have the eyes to see it at the time. But now that I have a, a different paradigm shift, that the the scriptures are just being unlocked in, in so many ways. And um, I'm super excited to, to kind of go through uh, New Testament this year and uh, possibly Book of Mormon the next year if they keep on the same schedule, uh, really focusing in and honing in on this. But um, that, that first... Um, block of, of scripture there on page 46. Um, this one comes from Helaman 14. And, oh, this is the, the Samuel the Lamanite one, but that was the <laughs> reference was the Helaman. That's where I was looking at it. Right. Um, some of the things that really stood out to me that I had never really paid attention to before or considered, I guess, was... Um, says that the rocks which are upon the face of the earth, which are both above the earth and beneath, which ye know at this time are solid, or the more part of it is one solid mass, shall be broken up. Yea, they shall be rent in twain, and shall ever be found in seams and in cracks. And the fragments of the the face of the whole earth, yea, both above the earth and beneath. And uh, anyway, I was just kind of looking at that in a new light with... Um, uh, you know, from the, from the Bible, the days of Peleg and and one solid mass kind of a thing versus um, the catastrophes that are are happening on the entire planet uh, during these uh, different things. So, <clears throat> where it it talks about, um, it could just be volcanic activity, but it could be cosmic. Um, interactions or, or planetary encounters. So what is your opinion um, after having read this chapter and and the different um, uh, time that, that you've spent in, in this area of things, what's your opinion on um, what has happened and, uh, and and the changes wrought on the the earth when when Christ is is killed and um, those, the, the discrepancies between uh, days of, of darkness versus hours of darkness, etc. So anyway, yeah, <laughs> what's your opinion on that? I I never imagined that it was um, because of, of that interaction with the heavens, um, that, that it could be a cosmological, something happening in the heavens that would cause those things. I mean, we kind of see a little bit of that with the birth of Christ. Um, you know, that there's things happening in the heavens. Um, but then they don't talk about a lot of um, physical destruction at that time. We do, and I'm not sure if this is the case at all, but we do hear that, you know, many people fell down, um, especially those that did not um, believe. And I don't know if that's because of shaking or earthquakes or anything. I don't know. Anyway, but but it's kind of like two different instances there of, of Christ. Um, birth and then his death which are very important it's very symbolic and very um very good you know that there would be a sign of that of his birth and his death um but um you know with this paradigm shift like you said i like that that that's exactly what it's like is and reading this again um 
it just it just tastes good. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. It just it it's something that um, resonates with me, and I love the word resonate too because it's like, hey, that's that's what light is. It's it mm-hmm. it's vibration, and it, when it resonates with, it's it's like creating. You know, it's like you said, it's physical, <laughs> but it's it just it helps me come closer to God, and um. And just, it's another witness of him that, that it's more than just our small little, our small little earth. It just expands my mind to, to know that he's in charge and that he's, his power is over the whole earth and that he loves his son and um, his hand is going to be revealed. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, oh, and just one other thing that kind of came to me during this, I didn't realize that during this time, as I was reading Philip, um, this is Anthony's work, not Velikovsky's, of course. Um, not not Anthony talking about Velikovsky's work is a lot what we did in the first four chapters, because Velikovsky was not a, a you know a Latter Day Saint. And but anyway, one thing that I learned was that there was not a just dis, uh, dis, um, my mind just went what not disturbance in the rotation of the Earth, mm. like. In other times, there was kind of a slowing down or, you know, or going backwards, you know, here of that in Hezekiah or, or the sun stopping and Joshua and, and whatnot, but that time continued and that it was enough and it was very quick. And it was in the sense that there was a passing body probably, but it wasn't as big as Venus or it wasn't, it didn't last, you know what I mean? It was a relatively short time for three hours, but it still had significant, um, significant um, of course um results so yeah anyway so that's kind of what i learned during it i really enjoyed it yeah so quoting from uh anthony here it's there on page 46 uh, about all of that um it's interesting that um this is included in the book of mormon and and why include those small details if they're not important um uh, Anthony, he says, he made it clear, referencing uh, Samuel, that there would be no disruption of the earth's rotation, quote, for ye shall know of the rising of the sun and also of its setting. Therefore, they shall know of a surety that there shall be two days and a night. Nevertheless, the night shall not be darkened and it shall be the night before he is born, end quote. And that's from Helaman 14, 4 through 5. And again, it's just like, it's been there all along, but I didn't realize that that was an important uh, context clue and and what was happening. So emphasizing that there is a difference between the events accompanying the birth and death of the Savior and those of former eras, like the Exodus, when we talked about that the Earth's rotation had been halted, uh, the ones that you had uh, mentioned there, and that, that God is working in different ways um, and this one is uh, has a marked difference. Uh, anyway, that was that was very mind blowing for me. <laughs> uh, I, I just want to have all of the time in the world and go back and look at <laughs> the scriptures from every single angle and uh, look at some of these these paradigm shifts that that are mm-hmm. happening. Um, I think it's important to note also that um, with all of these accounts. Uh, quoting from page 47 here, that the Nephites had never experienced the type of cataclysm which occurred at the time of the crucifixion. And and I think that that's pretty common all throughout the Book of Mormon. They're always saying that this is the worst battle that's ever been had, or this is um, 
the this uh, the phenomena that are happening are the worst that had ever been had. There's there's lots of firsts uh, throughout the Book of Mormon. Um, let's see. I was going to quote like the scripture, but he just references uh, 2 Nephi 25.5 and uh, 3 Nephi 8.5. Well, yeah, let me read that one. Uh, 3 Nephi 8.5, And it came to pass in the 30 and 4th year, in the first month, on the 4th day of the month, there arose a great storm, such as one as had never been known in all the land. And so, uh, just pointing that, they're experiencing these things in um, in new ways. And uh, as we are looking forward, what things are going to follow the pattern? What things are going to be new and <laughs> more uh, prominent or, or prolific than, than ever before? It's just so interesting to consider. Yeah, and I was actually, I just wanted to just read a little portion of this synopsis where it talks about electric weather because i mean we think of great storm right it's like there's it's something that's you know um coming from climate change Mm -hmm. (laughs) el nino or nino um you know there's there's a lot of stuff that and you know as a scientist there is so many facts there is change of the climate like it's happening the earth is warming i just can't i'm not gonna um consume the fact that that it's our fault honestly i mean i'm sure we could be better stewards but i mean i think there's a lot of stuff that goes into that propaganda okay so let's can i just read a little bit about electric weather yeah so are you reading this from that thornhill document yes okay gotcha Okay, most people are unaware that we have no understanding of how lightning is created in clouds. The simplest answer is that lightning is not generated there at all. Clouds merely form a convenient path to Earth for electricity originating in space. The sun gives off so much energy. And I mean, we are receiving so much of that that light and and the, I mean, it's, there's, there's going to be energy coming from the sun um and there's there's an interesting um sorry hey no not in this room you gotta go out anyway about the atmosphere and how there's different electrical phenomenon in different layers of the atmosphere let me go on with this um consequently the sun has weather patterns and and the most distant planet neptune has the most violent storms in the solar system though it receives very little energy from the sun Electric discharges from space cause Mars huge dust devils and planet-wide dust storms. So they are responsible for Jupiter's great red spot and the spokes of Saturn wheels. There's so many storms on Jupiter. Now just, I mean, we are connected in ways more than just receiving the sun's thermal energy. Mm-hmm. And um, there's an electrical connection there. Um, it is why Venus has lightning and it's smoke like clouds and it's mountaintop glow with the St. Elmo's fire. It is why the earth has lightning stretches into space in the form of red sprites and blue jets and why tethered satellites blow a fuse, et cetera. Um, I thought there was another little portion here about, I think it was in the dust devil portion. Um, but, but anyway, so it says, however, nobody is trained to consider electrical energy input to weather systems. So with, when you've got a huge amount, I mean, where, do, where does all this energy come from? I mean, all these, if the, the current paradigm for the scientific modern science 
world is that all energy just comes from the light of the sun. And if, if it's, if we're in this constant state, then where are these huge storms coming from? Like they're outside of our natural, um, natural, um, even if with climate change, it's not going to, there's got to be an extra energy source that that's causing them. So when I read all this, I'm like, there's definitely something that's, there's, there's more energy coming into the system here for the, the Nephites that wasn't there before. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. so you, you look at these times throughout, throughout uh, history and, and looking at, about um, looking at what has happened in the history of mankind. And you see that there's added energy throughout that's that the Lord is and his glory is upon the earth and it's changing. There's, there's something different and it's, it's changing things, right? There's action. There's something happening um, unto judgment or unto, unto salvation. But um, anyway, so when, when it talks about this great storm, I just wanted to, to pipe in about that. And then down here under a cataclysmic replay, the account tell, when in, um, this is Anthony's book. The account tells of that which befell them in the day of judgment. And there were exceedingly sharp lightnings, such as never had been known in all the land, never had been known, exceedingly sharp lightnings. And many great notable cities were sunk. And many were burned and many were, sh- were shaken till the buildings thereof had fallen to the earth and the inhabitants thereof were slain and the places were left desolate. So, so something happened that is, is outside of earth systems that I teach my kids. You know, there's these earth systems and sometimes we get some, some cataclysms, but, but um, not at the scale. And in fact, we're in technically the sixth extinction is that's what everybody calls it with climate change kind of like hey we're in the sixth sixth extinction where there's been evidence of five other extinctions like okay so if you put that in terms i don't know if this is true but i'm thinking okay so ages of the earth if there's five there and we're just misunderstanding the timeline and we're in the sixth one well that's kind of cool to think about like okay and then the seventh you know between there's seven total dispensations so anyway I'm sorry. I'm getting all sciencey. Let's get back oh. to the book. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, when it, it, he was quoting there in, in the third Nephi chapter eight, exceedingly sharp lightning, such as never had been known in all the land uh, that hit me in a new way. Like I always just pictured it like, oh yeah, it was just bad thunderstorms. No, this never had happened before. Like, uh, and I really love how you brought that in that there was more energy, more, more things being introduced into the system that are causing exceedingly sharp lightnings sometimes thunderstorms can kind of be scary right you know especially when it's happening like right close but but this is this is way beyond uh, that and uh, to to change the the face of the earth and and all of the catastrophes that are happening it just made me view it in a totally different way i i don't envy that at all but i know that we're gonna see (laughs) similar things um so I, I really love Anthony's paragraph just below that. It says that although the destructions which befell the Nephites do not conform in all particulars to those described in the Exodus, the similarities are many and the pattern is identical. And so um, as Samuel prophesied, there was no disruption to the earth's normal rotation and neither was there a precipitation of red dust, which turned the, the waters to blood, etc. But we do have uh, the, the sun being blocked and... 
um, great storms and, and tempests. And kind of skipping down a couple of paragraphs, uh, it says that the plague of darkness in Egypt at the time of the Exodus is described by rabbinical sources in terms that are nearly identical to those in Third Nephi, to describe the destructions among the Nephites at the Savior's death. Although these two events were separated by approximately 1,500 years, there is a remarkable similarity between them. And so then he, he kind of makes a case for, was it another near collision? Was this a planetary encounter versus just a uh, something that, that happened within our own system? Was there an external force that was um, happening here? <clears throat> so uh, like we, we talked about that, um, he says that the fact that the Earth's rotation was unaffected might be due to a smaller size of a passing body. And, and I can definitely uh, see how that would play into uh, that scenario. Um, he says that Nephi stated that the tempest did last for about the space of three hours. And this is a very short time compared to the events of the Exodus. And sorry, I'm like reading so much, but I think that there's a, oh, <laughs> a lot of interesting things in yeah. uh, these paragraphs. He says, note also that the effects of the disruption were hardly noticed in the old world perhaps indicating that the intruder passed not only quickly, but in sync with the Earth's rotation so that it, um, as to directly affect only one hemisphere. Nephi's comment that the so destruction- So when he says intruder- Oh yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, when he says the intruder, um, he's referring to the, the body that's passing. That's not part of Earth's normal that um, laws and the kingdom that the Lord set up, you know, set us to be on. There's something coming into, and it's intruding upon the, the system here. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Okay, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the kind of final idea on that, that the destruction is described in the North far worse than in the South. And so um, I think both of those things are very interesting to think about because uh, I had wondered about that growing up, like, why does it say when Christ died that um, the old world and the new world were uh, experiencing it on different time frames? And, and what could that possibly be? And this just kind of really opened up my, my eyes to, oh, a planetary encounter might um, be the, the way to help answer that and uh, having the, the discrepancies uh, across the different prophecies or the uh, accounts of it, I guess. Um, yeah, really good. Yeah. So anything else kind of like in that section or along that, that train of thought? Uh, let's see. So let's see the, the new Testament, uh, describes a scene on the other side of the world following the crucifixion. And there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour and the sun was darkened. And we know that the veil of the temple was rent. Mm -hmm. um in in twain so there was a great earthquake um and 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 another you know storm or something going on um just not as bad as on the side of the earth that was um more in line with the um other body the intruder <laughs> mm -hmm. so so oh, I find yeah. that very interesting i i don't know if this is a relevant question well I, all questions are relevant right but so if if it wasn't as bad over in Jerusalem in the old world, but it was like um, pretty devastating over here, like why? Uh, because the Jews were the ones that 
um, at, at, in Jerusalem at the time were the ones that had actually killed the Savior. So why wouldn't it be just the opposite? Why wouldn't the, the New World have ramifications of it, but not necessarily the, the full <laughs> enchilada that they're experiencing versus Jerusalem? I had never really asked that question before, but um, I think that that's very interesting to, to pose, especially in light of Third Nephi when Christ is coming and visiting his other sheep over here. And mm -hmm. sometimes... Um, the descent needs to match the ascent where the Jews had, had killed their savior and they're not going to be receiving a, another manifestation of him or, or anything, but um, the, the descent to prepare for the, the blessed encounter that um, Christ was going to be visiting them. I don't know. It, it's just a question that was popping in my head all of a sudden. Really? That's a really good point. I mean, they were the most, um, evil people on the earth that would you know the only people that would crucify their god you know they said so they were definitely ripe for destruction like that's those that sect of pharisees and sadducees but maybe it wasn't the whole people but mm -hmm. we but i guess let's see because i really believe that god um is 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 going to be just in when people are ripe for destruction he prophesies to them and he says you need to repent you know if they don't then he's he his hand is basically forced and so the people what was going there was like the jacob remember the people in the north wasn't it the um people of jacob you know the built the city of jacob or jacob bar or something like i can't remember but anyway there was there was some a lot of wickedness in on on our continent and so maybe that's why the as a people, maybe the people there were, were ripe for destruction. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. That's a really good question. Very interesting. And, and I'm sure as I go back and, and look, I might uh, find those answers and, and things. But uh, I, I love questions as they pop up. I'm like, hmm, I need to look at that better. Um, so taking a look at the, the next section there that Nephi made it plain. So this is referencing Nephi, the son of Helaman. Um, he says that he made a very interesting statement concerning phenomena associated with the disruptions of the rotation of the earth. And I think that this really uh, helped clarify a few things for me. So let's see, this is from Helaman chapter 12, 8 through 15. He says, For behold, the dust of the earth moveth hither and thither to the dividing asunder at the command of our great and everlasting God. Yea, behold, at his voice do the hills and the mountains tremble and quake, and by the power of his voice they are broken up and become smooth. Yea, even like unto the valley. Yea, by the power of his voice doth the whole earth shake. Yea, by the power of his voice do the foundations of the rock, even to the very center. Yea, and if he say unto the earth, Move, it is moved. And if he say unto the earth, Thou shalt go back, that it lengthen out the day for many hours it is done and thus according to his word the earth goeth back and it appeareth unto man that the sun standeth still yea and behold this is so for surely it is the earth that moveth and not the sun and um <laughs> I, I always kind of looked at that going that's kind of weird to be in the book of mormon but you know whatever but now it's making a lot more sense of the <laughs> i think that the Book of Mormon is such a sealed book in and of itself, uh, let alone the uh, sealed portions that are, are going to come later on, but that we, um, 
are under condemnation for not uh, regarding the Book of Mormon in the light that it is intended and given. That it is a uh, a religious text. It is a scientific text. It is it, it, it's everything for us if we have eyes to see the different layers and and take time to to really study things. But um, anyway, that that passage there from Helaman is is starting to um, somewhat clarify uh, some of the different uh, science or unexplained things that um, I had questions about with uh, cosmological relationships here. So anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is really. And then just further down, he goes into the rotation of the earth. And I'd like to understand better mm-hmm. what what things are, are symptoms of uh, or results from the rotation of earth being disrupted and ones that are, are, um, when it's not disrupted, it's just a, like a passing body that they experienced, um, cosmic, a cosmic, um, intruder there. But he goes on to say in all of scripture, there is no better analysis of the geophysical and cosmological relationships seen to occur as the rotation of the earth is disrupted. And Anthony knows, I mean, he studied this stuff like most of his life. You know, and in all of scripture, there's no better analysis. Yes, that's the Book of Mormon, you know, the most perfect book of that we have, right? And it's in there, and that's really cool. And Nephi understood that the earth's rotation has been disrupted in the past. Even he even lists it with the other natural effects of disrupt disrupted rotation, i.e., rifts in the earth's crust, the collapse of mountains, and the earthquakes resulting in the wrenching of the entire lithosphere, which lithosphere lithosphere is the earth you know there's lots of different spheres on the earth but that's that's um referring to the earth um which is interesting because spheres within spheres within spheres is awesome that's some that's some really cool um cosmology there that has a lot of symbol symbolism but i also just that geophysical and cosmological relationships because you know that's what we're trying to understand is our relationship to god Mm-hmm. We're trying to understand how he works, who he is, and how by the sound of his voice, um, I mean, not just the sound of his voice, his voice, but it, it people, like we investigated before, is, is it is sound, right? Is it a trumpet? Mm-hmm. You know, we hear in the revelations, the trumpets or DNC 88 that I was reading today, um, the, the sound of the trumpet causes things to happen things will happen you know um the the lord causes change and there's going to be an effect there that happens so i'm thinking in the scientific way there's energy added to that but it's he's creating things he's he's um there's a judgment there and unto you know against the right against the wicked and and um in favor of the righteous which we can have faith in when when he comes again right and that we can also buy can can we buy his when we receive his word can we utter his voice and and do his work you know what i mean in ways like this that jesus said you'll be able to do works like these and more you know what i mean it's like whoa will we be able to to do his work when we when we are able to hear him and he says i want you to create a valley here so that my elders can get to Zion or whatever we need to do. Like, will we, will we be singing the songs of Zion with sound that, that is given to us in our hearts that we are able to, to call down, not just call down the power of God, but that his, his, his glory will be upon us and upon the earth. 
You know what I mean? So it gets me excited. I mean, even though this is a lot of destruction and it's sometimes you have to kind of deal with that emotional fear that comes up, it just will. And we have to instead turn to the Lord and in fear, worship him in it and, and, and wrestle with it in our relationship with him. We need to wrestle and be converted in our hearts instead of having any place for fear there. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I wanted to recommend, uh, a blog and it's, he's also doing a podcast with it. Is it okay if I recommend him? Okay. So, um, I've been following Leland for a year or so, um, Leland Tanner on Twitter and he does a couple of YouTube videos, but he started doing a, a blog called the, um, a cosmism manifesto. And in his first two, um, um, I guess his thesis for, um, was his thesis is mainly the first one was just the doctrines of the gospel about faith and repentance and really building a foundation on Jesus Christ, which is the foundation of cosmism, which is really just our own theology, our theology and our relationship with God. Because even though we are all, I think most of our listeners are members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We all have our own theology because we all have our own relationship with, with God and with the Lord. And so um, we all have different gifts. We all have different missions. We have different experiences, right? That we know him in ways that, that are different, but we're all needed as a, we're all needed in Zion because of that. We're all as one of the body of Christ and the bride of, of the Lord when he, um, in our covenant. So, so anyway, so I really love how he focuses on that. And uh, before he starts getting into some of the deeper things, and I, I really wish we could do that here in some ways. And I try to kind of pull in, in the doctrines of the gospel where we can, but we're, we're focusing on a text and, and doing things that are just jumping right in. But over there in the second one, he, he talks about, um, as a man thinketh and how, as we, as we keep our eye, our eye single to the glory of God, like keeping our thoughts constantly on him, praying always, you know, that we'll always remember him. Um, so, and then the third one is about, um, the conversion of the heart. And anyway, so I, I'd rec recommend that to him. One of my, my best friends, she's, I've talked with her about cosmism once she's like yeah you know I, I i don't have a witness that it's not true I, I think it is true but it hasn't really been a benefit to her her relationship with the lord yet but as, she, as she's been um going through leland's um stuff and we've been talking about it she's like i i think i'm getting it she's like not just think she's like my relationship with the lord is deeper than ever and i see cosmism in a in a different way because it's about us being a satellite to a high king and that we are aligned to his glory and his, that we are temples unto him mm -hmm. you know that his works are being done in and through us for our ancestors and for this for the restoration of all things in our bodies as well you know we are going to be changed as well as the earth and so it's a process that's very personal all these things are very personal and um and I'm just thankful for the opportunity to bear my testimony that, that Jesus is the Christ and he is our king and he is the king of hosts. And I love it when they use that phrase because I'm like, yes, he is in his heavens and he is mindful of us. Are even looking at all the um, 
the James Webb telescope picture. They, there's some that just came back again, I think this week and just a new batch. And I love looking through them. And maybe we could put another little link down there to just a YouTube video that just has a lot of the new pictures. And just, I'm just in awe at, at his power and his mercy and his glory and how he's so mindful of us and that his work and his glory is to bring to pass our salvation and that we are children of God. And so, so anyway, just so grateful for, for all of you here and for Cameron for all you do. Anyway, so that's all I have to say. <laughs> Sorry, I'm it. taking over. <laughs> no, not at all. I, I love that. Um, when we were talking uh, about his voice and you were mentioning that, it, it kind of brought up some some different connections for me. So um, uh, anybody following along in the book, uh, they're on page 49 when he is quoting the Helaman 12, talking about the power of his voice. And uh, what you were talking about, like the, the sound, the trumpets, the, the things that we talked about in chapter with the exodus and and what that uh, means and looks like but then going back to his very first um, scripture uh, on page 45 here <clears throat> uh, so first Nephi 1911 this it, that that voice was uh, kind of similar and different and I, I have questions now of the Lord God surely shall visit all of the house of Israel that day, but there's two different groups, some with the voice and because of their righteousness and some with thunderings and power and lightning and earthquakes and stuff. And so it's interesting that in this Helaman one, it's the voice that doth do all of those things that causes the earth to shake, etc. So that there's the voice is the one causing the things, but if we are righteous, or at least it, it, here with, with Nephites, that if they are righteous, they only have to experience the voice and not all of the, um, the ramifications of the uh, different things. I mean, mm -hmm. yes, they, they are in the same place that are happening, uh, all of the uh, tempestuous things, but um, they, they're hearing the voice, and the voice is the one causing it. It kind of reminds me of Third Nephi when um, the voice repeated three times and, and they were trying to understand it, but it wasn't until the third time that they actually did that it, it became clear to them. I, I think that there's a lot okay. of just a whole side study just to do on the voice and uh, looking at that through scripture, yeah. its cosmological implications as well as its spiritual uh, ramifications in, in our own lives. Because like you said, there's the there's the macro version, but God works in patterns, macro to micro, that we need to go through these similar things and, and be righteous and, and have all of that rooted out or else have the earthquakes and, and tempestuous things in the last days. Anyway. Yeah. If we if we hear him, if we are tuned in to his voice, then we are gonna be able to escape. Yeah right like spiritually survive else well, like in dnc 88 it says for after your testimony which is really what we're trying to do here we're trying to testify of christ right we're trying to be the lord's um hands like he's asking these elders to do here in this chapter for after your testimony come at the testimony of earthquakes that shall cause groanings in the midst of her and when and men shall fall upon the ground i shall not be able to stand groanings and throughout the scripture and throughout the Book of Mormon, there's so much reference to the word of God, which is, which is his voice. There's so much when, and, and even in the creation account, 
it comes up often. And in Hebrew, in the reading, like the creation account in Hebrew, um, and which I don't know Hebrew very well, but I remember um, studying with just a, a couple, like about a month on this about the Hebrew root, uh, the DBR, the Hebrew root of it. There's so many different um, root words that kind of go, come into this, that are funneled into this point, that it's the voice um, of the Lord that, that cuts and divides asunder, right? And that reaches and pierces our hearts and um, that, that's, that changes us, right? That's where conversion comes from. And then, and, and can we, can we, yeah, be one with him in that? So anyway, I would love a whole study on that. <laughs> but there's, there's things out there that, that do already have the study that maybe we could point mm -hmm. to sometime. But we've already, I already pointed to so many things. I don't think there's know. any more time. How many links in the show notes for this one? It's going to be awesome. <laughs> so but many yeah, it, things. I got to rein it in. It's interesting. Uh, just right before we started, um, I noticed that uh, Rob K had posted a new video, um, and it, I think I believe it's the first in uh, one of his new series. But it's all about Book of Mormon and and the implications here. And I tell you what, he has a lot of cosmological stuff in in that video that I was like, oh, I wish I had time to watch the full thing before we dove into this one. But um, it, it's it's on my my back burner for the rest of the day. Oh, can you send that to me or put it in the links? <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, I'll put it in there. It, I mean, it's it's amazing. Uh, I, I love uh, looking at, at Rob Case. So um, his YouTube channel is called Mormon Yeshiva uh, with a very Jewish background. He's, he's pointing it forward to the Latter-day Saints and uh, kind of making connections there. So uh, I, I always love uh, his videos and, and kind of taking that that um, rabbinical approach to, to scriptures and, and things. Um, another thing that I, I would kind of point out is, uh, you, you've been quoting DNC 88 and I've been, uh, for two or three weeks now, really diving into DNC 84, uh, the precursors to the oath and covenant and, oh man, the, the power of his voice, the power of godliness is manifest in the ordinances. And, and we can't do this without the the authority of the priesthood and the ordinances thereof. And and I have to wonder, um, with all of the the coming tribulations and things, if not if, but like what all of the ordinances and power and that that flow uh, connectivity uh, is like you say satellites to a high king that that we become temples and. Um, satellites in order to, um, to, to to bring about many of the the necessary um, things to get to Zion uh, whether that's on a macro level or a micro level but um, the the ordinances are so important in order for God to actually manifest his power his voice through us um uh, anyway a dnc is <laughs> so packed full of uh, amazing things yeah that's the, the priesthood chapter right yeah mm -hmm. yeah oh that's so good yeah i i mean <laughs> I'm, I'm working at creating a, a separate thing uh, just for dnc 84 because there's so much in there that i'd never considered before and uh, it's a whole nother side study but mm -hmm. uh, i had never understood some of these different concepts the way that I'm uh, learning them now. I, I always used to have like mathematical equations with things like um, uh, 
if light is spirit and spirit is this and like I used to put if a equals b and b equals c but um, the other day in the temple uh, I, I was trying to map out one uh, of, of those kind of uh, equations from the DNC uh, there from 84 and the Lord was like it's not an equals we you're, you're building a Venn diagram not an equals and I was like oh I love that hmm, interesting <laughs> and so I'm, a Venn I'm sitting diagram. there the Venn diagram is where there's two circles that that um, that merge, and then you have you know different uh, um, similarities in the middle, and then the things that they are characteristically um, have that are separate. But inside, there's that that commonality. Mm -hmm. I love it. So all of A is B, but not all of B equals A. And uh, looking mm -hmm. at uh, that from a totally different perspective. So anyway, and. Uh, like I said, with ordinances and powers and the voice and, and everything, it, it's starting to all kind of come together. It's amazing how the Lord tutors each of us in our <laughs> own ways and times. And we just each have our own lesson plans that I, <laughs> yeah, I it's the to teach us, right? Which just having a lesson plan for one class, that takes so long. I don't know how it, yeah. he does it. <laughs> oh, and just in DNC 84, where it says, you know, that the righteous will have the knowledge of the Lord and shall see eye to eye and shall lift up their voice and with the voice together sing this new song. Mm -hmm. And it has that new song there. Like, well, I'll know it because it'll be given to us and we'll be able to sing it and be given the voice to, to sing it. Um, I love it. And also satellite. I was teaching my kids the other day. I'm like, okay, so the earth is a satellite. They're, they're like, earth is a satellite. I'm like, yeah, like anything that orbits is a satellite. So when you think of orbit, really are we in relationship to god are we uh, willing to obey the high king and so in dnc 88 it talks about how like if we are willing to well whatever law we obey that's the kingdom that we will inherit right it's mm -hmm. whatever we are willing to abide in and so if we are willing to abide the, the high celestial kingdom law then we are basically orbiting the lord as a satellite to the high king okay you see these things in a perspective like okay so even though we're on the earth we are spiritually energetically even physically we are being created to orbit the orbit the lord and then that's as we come closer and closer to him and we see his face like we we're brought into his presence like and we're transformed like yeah we might be physically in one sphere but we're really in another you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just really exciting to see the Lord bringing us all together. And like, he is, he is gathering his people on both sides of the veil and trying to bring as many as, as will come as we'll hear, because those that, that mercy um, encompasses those uh, encompasses our own, right? Mercy oh, uh -huh. loveth mercy. And so those that are merciful, the, the mercy will encompass them and you know the just you know um those that are justice claimeth her own too so we got to be careful that we're just right we don't we want to stand on the side of mercy as much as possible um and and claim our own and those that are merciful will hear his voice so anyway man so fun so anything else from chapter five that uh you think we need to to hit on and uh, kind of wrap up with Oh, we did pretty, I think it's pretty good mm -hmm. Thank yeah. you for, for this, Cameron, and good luck to everybody praying for you.
Yeah, exactly. So next time uh, we'll we'll tackle chapter six, and that chapter is modern prophecy, echoes of the past. Oh, one other <laughs> link for for homework, <laughs> but um, uh, somebody sent this in was that um, on the Anthony Larson's YouTube uh, channel that he did a series doing an update for this book, and so um, there is well for his trilogy. So there's a. Uh, uh, a lecture and a Q&A video uh, called and the moon shall turn to blood and so it's about like an hour and a half to watch both of them but he goes through this book and any updates that he had since he wrote the book and kind of addresses those so oh, nice. I encourage going through that I haven't actually had time to, to go through those this week but um, uh, that's on my my to-do list so that you know we are presenting the more uh, updated information kind of thing as we're we're going through it but anyway nice. um, Thanks for, for everyone uh, uh, submitting questions and uh, links and, and things as we uh, discover this all together. But yeah, uh, uh, echoing what, what Wendy said, we're so grateful for all of you and, and this journey that we're on and um, we'll see you on the next one. Dang, happy holidays. <laughs> yeah.